So this is the first time this season we've seen Giorgio, right? Yep. We saw her in the trailers. That's the only other place we've seen her. Yeah, so we knew we knew we were going to see her, but... Right. <clears throat> and this is the one. And we know she's coming back, too, because of the trailers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that here in a minute. You ready? state before we get going and i'm saying this because i don't want you to feel like no i'm changing my mind it absolutely does bleed into everything i think about this episode is that i did not love this episode that's how i'm starting i'm just laying it out there on front street i think my problem is is that it felt like it was an episode that had to uh it was more than filler but it was like uh housekeeping or something you know, it was just, we got to tell you what was going on with the Klingons. We got to get Ash off of Quonos as quick as we can. We want to introduce Giorgio before we introduce her again. And stuff of interest happened, but I didn't feel the weight of it in this episode. So that's where I'm coming from as we go into this episode. My name is Matt. We are the Brothers Who Trek About. We're talking about episode three, season two, Point of Light actually has a reference to something that happens in Next Generation, and we'll get there. But before we do, let's talk to my brother in Houston, Ken. Say hello, Ken. Hailing frequencies are... Wait, no, no. Wait, there you are. Hey, <laughs> I am here. Lucky thing. Why don't you give me a quick overview of how you felt about this episode? See if I'm crazy. Hold on Yeah, so, sec. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. I mean, I thought it was a good episode, but... I thought last week was a great episode. You know, I, I felt like this was a building episode. You know, they're, they're laying some stuff out. We're finding out about what was going on with Tilly. So I think that's the end of Act One for the, the Tilly story that we've been dealing with. I don't think it's over. Well, both because they had a trailer afterwards in which we see more. But yep. they resolved it too quickly. I mean, they've given us like three episodes of what's wrong with Tilly. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, you're healed? No, yes. that's not how it works. Right. But, uh, you know, now we, we've got, it's the end of Act One. We know something. We've moved on. From now on, it's going to be a different kind of a problem. So that was good. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. We had the arrival of um, Amanda. Yep. Right, and she brought a lot of interesting stuff. I think the development of the Spock story and so forth, and of course she she had her reveal that like I did something bad to Spock, and Amanda is pissed. Yeah, it sure seemed that way. So well, it's definitely questionable. Well, I think she's pissed, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's an irreparable breach, right? No, yeah. Um. You know, so I, I think we had some interesting development there. The, you know, the the other stuff, the Klingon stuff, the Ash stuff. I think that's all just we're we're setting some stage for for some stuff. It was more akin to that first third of the first episode, uh-huh. right? We got some of last season, and we're gonna uh, for you know foreshadow the rest of the season. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't like super compelling. But I felt like, you know, we are watering some plants here, and I'm expecting some some good, some more episodes like last week. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I should have, I should have, uh, in fact, maybe I will while uh, at some point later in this episode, but I should look into the director of this episode and see what they've done. Because I'm wondering if maybe just some of the direction in this episode wasn't on pace with, you know, right. some of the stuff that we've seen in the last couple of episodes, especially coming off of a Jay Frakes episode, you know? Right. We get into an episode that maybe they were doing camera moves and such, but it wasn't like, maybe it was just the pace of the actors or the uh, or maybe some of the emotions behind what they were doing wasn't 
fulfilled enough, especially in that, like, I, I mean, I think the Amanda and Burnham scene worked, but, <clears throat> you know, last year I kept talking about, like, I didn't think I would love the Klingons, but I've been loving, you know, this whole Klingon Game of Thrones thing that's been happening. But this, like, in this episode, I was like, eh, just don't, maybe it didn't have the gravitas that it's supposed to have. I don't know. That's something I'll, I'll, I'll look into here in a little bit. So let me take a break and cut right in here and say that I never got back to it while we were recording the episode. But then I went on IMDb to look up who directed this episode. And man, do I look like an idiot. Because the uh, director's name here is Olatunde Osunsanmi. Which I might be butchering that name. But, you know, he's a guy who not only has great directing credits to his name, he directed a feature film, The Fourth Kind, which, you know, fooled a lot of people into thinking that it was a real thing. But he's also gone on and done some Discovery episodes that we know and love. Most specifically, he's done the Discovery episodes, The Butcher Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, which I loved last season. And then he also did What's Past His Prologue. And, most importantly, and silly is this that he did uh, the episode uh, Short Trek Calypso, which we both loved. So, we're just idiots, and apparently then it has to do with the script then, and the rushing of this, as I say later, than the uh, direction. Because clearly, we've got a great director who's handling this episode. Anyway, back to where I, I left off. But uh, that's what I felt was really missing from this episode. It felt like it was just very superficial as we're, like, putting the, the, the pawns into place before the rest of the game begins. You know what I mean? It's like, here we Okay, now all the, the pieces are where they're supposed to be. Now let's just zoom on, you know? Now from here, we can really take off. But I don't know. Let's, uh, let's get some more detail into some of these things, especially some of the ones that you were already talking about here. First of all, it's interesting because we, we in the recap, we get a couple of interesting things. The first thing is, is that I think Laurel's scar is very different in the recap scenes, you know, where she had no hair than where she was in now. I, I just noticed a big difference. Like in, the, in, the, in this season, it looks like it was just a big gash, whereas before it actually looked like it was, you know, flames and whatnot on her, on her skull. Oh, I, I still saw that flamey business, like she had an acid burn. Yeah. I, I, guess. I, I don't know. I didn't feel yeah. it. I, and her, her it neck was up. all messed up. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'm crazy again. I mean, I watched this episode twice, but oh well. Anyway, it's fine. So let's just get going since we're on the topic of, of Laurel and Ash and all of them and Voke, I guess. To, to Voke. I don't know what we'll call him. But uh, something. We weren't sure at the end of last season, and certainly it was obvious even in this uh, preview that we weren't even sure Michael knew where Voke Ty landed, right? And we certainly get some insight into it in this episode where, you know, he says, I, I can recall the thoughts of Voke. I can recall his emotions, but that they don't really they don't really yeah. mean anything to him. They don't they're really not, like they're not integrated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so this I, is this could ahead. happen to people who experience trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Where, you know, the events of the incident, you know, let's say it's a, you know, a combat situation and you've got some post-traumatic right. and you know, it's like I was outside of myself and I was watching it. And so when you re when you relive it, you're like, oh, look at what they're doing. Look at how awful I'm behaving. I can't believe that guy me is doing that. Um, and it seems like he's got those that kind of distance from this kind of from Voke anyway. Yeah. And this could be a pro this could be like how they integrated him into like the because of course they're like combining mentalities, right? Yeah. Like how does how does that work? And so it could be a problem in that process, but it could also be a result of the trauma of integrating two personalities. Yeah, that's true. Like on a physical on a both physical and mental level, because we know that somehow they were meshed we heard in last season about how like you know he was missing Bones part of his like leg yeah yeah exactly yeah none of that would sounds good but it could also be that when they overwrote the tyler personality mm -hmm. you know it, it like it became the dominant you know software yeah and overwrote the voke and now all all that's left with voke is 
is like storage. There's no actual functioning in the software, right? Yeah. It's like he's he's been updated to Windows 10, and there's there's no more Windows 7 functionality there. Yeah. But maybe it does seem like from time to time, especially in the way that he handles the Klingons and whatnot, it certainly seems that like some of that information is accessible. Like you would go, right. what would Voke do in this situation? And the Voke side answers, you know, right. or something. Yeah, it's hard to tell what exactly is going on in there. So again, I, I again, I, maybe I feel like the gravitas is missing from the the Klingons this season. But you remember last year, I kept talking about how I like the, uh, as I wrote here, the Klingon Game of Thrones. Kling, <laughs> Kling Game of Thrones. It's hard to say. Kling Game of Thrones. It was easier to write than it was to say. But um, I feel like I might be already over it this year. I don't know. What's your overall feeling about the Klingons so far? Over the last um, two seasons. Well, I certainly feel like what we saw this last episode mm -hmm. felt like kind of where we've been with the Klingons in... They feel more like familiar Klingons. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, to side note, uh, is that uh, some of the reviews I was reading, that's what they said. They felt like this was a lot of, like, retconning what people didn't like about the Klingons from last last year, and then this year they're just like, well, we're going to make it more right, we're going to make this more like the Klingons you feel, which... I'm kind of disappointed in because I liked the Klingons last season, first of all. But secondly, I'm also like, there's lots of time, you know? Yeah. I bring this note up later, but I'll say it now, is that, is, is that the Klingons that we know later of the honor system and, and all of that things that they discuss are so far away. We don't get that in the original series, right? There's not a lot of talk about, like, the Klingon honor and all of right. that stuff, right? Because it's a lot of, like, core off on his own and uh, all of those things. These Klingons, these sort of, like, one-off Klingons that we don't really get to know. So it's like none of that stuff really appears until technically next generation, although we start to see it, obviously, right. in the Undiscovered Country as well. So it's, so it's like you can Which let is them grow. Which you is know where I mean? in the in the timeline? I mean, in terms of like making Star Trek. What's I'm sorry. So let's see. Uh, Star Trek Six. Discovery Co. So that was 1991. Right. So and obviously, Next Generation started in 87 or 87. Yeah, the 87 88 year. So, I think by that time they've they've already started with uh, they've already kind of figured out that they were moving Worf in particular and the Klingons with him into this kind of uh, honorable warrior culture. Yeah, they they do all the development of Klingon society in Next Generation. Yeah, we get none of it in the original series or, or the movies. Which is what I'm saying is, it's like we didn't have to retcon everything right now. You know what I mean? Right. It and, and in one episode, this is also part of what I feel I don't like about this episode, and we'll get into that in a minute here, so we don't sidetrack ourselves too far. But it's just like, why not let them grow into who we into who we see in Next Generation? We've got plenty of time. I mean, we got even ten years before the original series. Let's allow them to become something before we go automatically and like knee jerky because people in the Star Trek community don't like it. Let's retcon them right away. Yeah, I, I, I felt more like they've had, you know, like a big change, right? You've got many houses now. Okay, we're going to bind together. Yeah. We're going to change Klingon culture. And that means that you're going to have to, you know, things are going to change. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like we were just seeing some of the changes that came about because of the war. Yeah. I mean, it all fits in story, but I just feel like, again, it happened so quick. So, uh, as always, Laurel here is fighting for a united Klingon. Uh, but there are still people who want the seven houses to be separated. House Core, for one, right, with uh, Cole Shaw. He said that the seven bright spots, the sky were blood about to be rained down upon the Klingons because of Laurel and her human consort. Da, da, da. I actually like that bit. That was actually good. Uh, then Ash tells, you know, Kolashaw to remove the paint from his house on his face, and then they get into a fight, and then we later find out that that paint is actually, like, has a transmitter in it so that they can listen in, and bad things happen because of that. But, you know, that I, I, I like that part, too. 
which of course then you know we get this whole second thing which sort of happens out of nowhere as well where we find out that Laurel had a baby you know uh with Boke before the ash transformation and so then <laughs> she had the baby out of utero because they needed a reason that she didn't look pregnant at the in the last episode so that was really weird as soon as then you know uh ash finds out and then goes to tell sorel laurel and laurel and him find out they decide that they're going to now be together in such a way ash is like devoted to her now and uh but we got to go get the baby so they go and try and get the baby and then what happens kolasha has kidnapped the baby and so then they go and they uh in person go to kolasha and they're like hey uh Let's fight over this. And so then they fight, and then Kolashai trickily uses that electric thing and is about to kill them, and then that's when Giorgio shows up and saves the Federation, which kind of bugs me because I'm always, especially when I'm writing something, but even when I'm, like, watching a movie or a TV, uh, the, the deus machina thing drives me crazy, right? Like, I'd rather the, the, the people in the situation figure out the way out. You know what I mean? It, it always kind of bugs me when they they get out of a situation because one lucky thing just happened to happen. And in this case, it was, you know, Giorgio who pops in to save the day. Although so it's certainly get... a cool entrance for her. Yes. No, super cool. And it, just before the commercial, too. So you can have that moment of like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, just to wrap up this storyline really quickly. And, you know, pop in if you got anything you want to say on any of this. Uh, Giorgio convinces Laurel to pretend to kill Ash and the baby. Then in the next scene, we see her, you know, in front of the High Council, holding up the heads of both Ash and the baby, saying that, uh, hey, I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the mother to all of you Klingons. And, hey, while you're at it, call me mother. Very Queen Elizabeth. Oh, is that? That's where that came from? Uh, yeah. I figured that so, had to have some sort of historical context I didn't know. Yeah, so, you know, Elizabeth, you know, at some point realizes that she has to, that the way she's going to be the queen, that she's going to govern, um, is to be maternal, right? I'm going to be the mother to the country. And so, you know, she decides she can't marry because you know, she can't take one person and elevate them to the position of her consort. Because even if they were merely her husband, I mean, queens had a lot of power and were able to intrigue and do stuff like that. But having a man in that position would be too much power. Um, and he would be constantly a focus for intrigues. So, you know, you look at her mother, uh, you know, the Boleyns, and how the Boleyn family had schemed and the Boleyn family had done this. You know, it had gotten her brother and her father as ambassadors and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she was like, I have to... I have to get rid of, she, she had the relationship with Dudley early, gets rid of all that, I'm going to be the mother to the country, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, uh, it, which is kind of crazy, because her father was so desperate to have an heir, and she's like, I'm going to throw away the possibility of an heir. She had the advantage that her aunt's son was now the king of Scotland, so her cousin. So she could, in theory, in theory, like unify the island. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it all to my cousin James. But so it, it's she's adopting this very Elizabethan tone. So then we see uh, Ash and the baby on board the Section Thirty One ship. They're taking uh, the baby to a monastery to uh, praise the great Kales. Now this is interesting. So here's here's our tie-in to the next generation. By the way. So uh, the planet they're going to is the planet of Boreth. And uh, this planet is explored in the Next Generation episode, The Rightful Heir, which not only has its obvious connection to this uh, episode, um, obvious in retrospect, but uh, we also find out in this episode that uh, uh, when Kayla says that he is going to return, that he will return to this point of light. So it's also the name of this episode. So it's interesting. We got that overlapping there. Um, so we, we never named the baby, did we? No, they never named the baby. And so one of the questions that somebody speculated was, um, did we see, you know, this baby during that episode? And so they were like, well, the math holds up. She'd be uh, the baby would be about 113 
And considering we see Core in the next generation, or not next generation, but in DS9, he would have been about 153 at the time. So we know that Klingons must age well. So the question is, is could we have? Yes. Did we? Well, there weren't any albino Klingons in that episode. So nor do we know if they stayed there or what happened to the the, the baby. I mean, again, she it could have because it was albino or because it was, you know, it been you know, ran off or something. I don't know. Or uh, it could have <laughs> also, you know, because of being born ex utero that he could have developed health problems and died or something. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. so it's possible, but we did not see any albinos at, uh, Klingons at the time. So it's hard to say. Uh, the last thing that happens in that storyline is that Giorgio then asks if Ash wants to join Section 31, and he doesn't say no. It's a great little scene later, or in the in the end of that scene, which is the end of the episode, when uh, the guy's like, well, we wanted him on the team, but can we talk about your recruitment speech? She's like, don't give me notes, he's in. <laughs> that was great. Good Giorgio yeah. moment there. <laughs> So uh, also to the show now in this episode, we get the return of Amanda. Uh, she looks great. I think that she totally looks like she could be Jane Wyatt in like 10 years. That's in totally fact, possible. So Charlie, my eight-year-old granddaughter, who I'm watching the, the show with, uh-huh. establishing a next generation of Star Trek watchers, because we're watching <laughs> it live every week. After right. the episode, she's like, I want to watch another one. I'm like, we can't. <laughs> we got to wait. So we watched... Uh, um, Journey to Babel. One, no, the one where Spock is a child again. And he, uh, the animated episode. Oh, the animated episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So we learned a little bit about Spock's childhood. I love and, it. Uh, but she thought that this is the Amanda I remember from Journey to Babel, because we've watched that episode. Uh-huh. She thought that it was very similar. Oh, that yeah, it, thought- it was the same character of it. Even though she knows it's a different actor and it's a million years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we also get a little, I think Amanda's a little more feisty in this episode. Uh, you know, she kind of claps back at Pike when he, like, questions like, has uh, she always been like this, you know? Uh, and she's like, yep, actually she has, and I taught her how to be it. We also know that she uh, stole records from Starbase mm-hmm. 5. So it's interesting because I think that this Amanda does hold up to that journey of Babel. Remember, like, the scene where, um... I can't remember who else is doing the tour with them. Oh, maybe it's just Scotty when they're in engineering. But he takes, well, like, Sarek and him go off to look at some piece of equipment. And then she kind of hangs behind and, like, is talking to Kirk, trying to get to know him, maybe find out something about Spock. And then next thing you know, Sarek's like, my dear, please join me. You know, so it's funny. And then, you know, the way that uh, she talks to Sarek, even in that episode, about Spock and everything. I think that it's, it, it, it ties in very well with the little bit that we know about Amanda. Mm-hmm. It's also funny, too, because at this point in the episode, I thought that this is where Giorgio was going to show up. He's talking to Starbase 5, right? Pike is. We're going to talk about the rest of that part, too. But we find out that they know that the files are missing and that they've got people on it, whatever that means. <laughs> so I thought for sure I was like, oh, crap, Giorgio's going to show up looking for those files, which is not to say that. That's not what happens in the next couple episodes when Giorgio shows up again, because we've seen the scene in the trailer with the two of them standing by each other. But yeah, it, it really depends on how long this Spock is wanted for murder business goes on. Yes, which is the next thing I was going to talk about is that we find out not only that is he wanted for murder, uh, but that he's also escaped. That he's not on Starbase 5 anymore, which is like, OK, so now where is he? They got that next question we got to deal with. So this is interesting. So we have, as we discussed in previous episodes, we've seen a mutinous Spock before. Yep. He's never killed anybody, but he's definitely knocked some people out or Vulcan hand-pinched some people. So obviously this has got to be some kind of setup, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The question is, by who? Who's setting him up and why? Dun-dun-dun. The questions that bring us back. Well, certainly our three don't think that that Spock is capable of this either. So uh, Pike orders Burnham to open the files. Oh, I forgot about Amanda's opening bit here. 
So when she first, I, I just thought it was weird, and so I'm mentioning this. It's it's a little nitpicky, I know, but that's what the show is. So let's just get into it. <laughs> that first moment when they come off of the transporter, Amanda hugs Burnham and then whispers in her ear, "Don't react, but Spock needs our help." And you're like, "Okay, that's weird." You know, like a a a moment of like, "Hey, can we go talk in another room?" Or don't say anything. Let's go over here. You know, like that's all we had to say. I think ultimately it's because structurally they had to go to the opening credits. So why not leave it on kind of like a dun 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 something's about to happen moment, you know, like right, right. Like to do. But it still it was like, this is weird. Anyway, uh, Spock's diagnosis, we find out something about that. Uh, the biggest thing we find is that he has extreme empathy deficit, which as we know from the previous episode, like, that was why Sarek wanted Burnham there in the house in the first place was to teach him empathy. And then the fact that whatever <clears throat> Burnham has done to chase him away is probably caused that maybe possibly. But we've also got like the established Spock backstory, right? Uh, Which we see in the cartoon episode. And we also see in the reboot JJ track, right? In which the other, Vulcan kids don't accept him as a full Vulcan. They basically see him as a human because he's too emotional. You know, he hasn't mastered the the hand grip yet. Yeah. uh, You know, whatever it is. You know, it's it's fun watching the cartoon episode because he's he's like asking Spock, do you you think I'll ever, you know, master the, uh, you know, the the Vulcan pinch like like you have? (laughs) And, of course, Spock says to himself, I dare say that you will. <laughs> you know, fun Love stuff. Love it. That's great. Yeah. You know, we see him in the in the JJ Trek. He gets into a fight with other kids, and there's blood, and, you know, he's scrappy the way Amanda tells us, you know, the kids ought to be, right? But also, he's got this emotional side that he's got to deal with. And, and uh, you know, at the end of of the animated show... Older Spock tells younger Spock, you know, well, the, the thing about being a Vulcan isn't that we don't have emotions. It's that you have to learn how to control them. You know, so the, like this is his this is his core struggle. And whatever uh, Michael Burnham has done is only a part of his story. He's still got all kinds of stuff he's working through. So it's it's only the first part of Spock's story, right? That's leading us into the the original series. We've got it. Yeah. We know we know these two things about him. So let's like move forward and hope that it's not a true, uh, you know, dish dis. I had the word, but then it disappeared on me. But the uh, his dispassionate side of his emotions. So, uh, but Amanda does agree to the possibility of uh, psycho uh, <laughs> psychopathy, as she says. But, of course, Burnham feels like it's on her, right? Amanda says at this point, like, you know, he didn't have a regular childhood. I couldn't love him because Sarek didn't want me to. I couldn't let him express his love for me. You know, so, of course, you know, we always hear, too, that that's one of those, like, things that drives people, that crazy people say, right? Is that it's like, my mom never loved me or blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. So, anyway, so she feels like it's on her. But, of course, like, Burnham definitely feels like it's on on her as well. And it, it could be neither of them. Right, but yeah, I, who knows? I mean, I mean, It Spock could be the Red Angel. Say, well, Spock may say by the end of the thing that, like, no, is... Because, that, in a sense, the way Spock describes it in Journey to Babel is that his problem is with his father. Right? Mm-hmm. Not with his mother. Yeah. Now, of course, we've never heard about the sister, but that's because she wasn't created. Right. Not because, you know, they were intentional... Not because he was pissed off at her. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, so I, I don't want to invest too much into, well, it was really Amanda or it was really Michael Burnham, because Spock's own words tell us this problem with his, with his father. And, his, and Mark Leonard plays it the same way, right? Yeah. And even, even this Sarek that we have in Discovery is playing it like, yeah, and there's a distance between us and we haven't, I haven't seen him in years. And, you know, that whole thing where he was, he was obviously tormented by the decision to not let Michael Burnham go to the Vulcan Science Academy because he was going to hold that spot for Spock. And then Spock, you know, realize, you know, 
in the again a classic scene that we've seen now from the reboot. Mm-hmm. Wait, you're you're well, what now? You're doing me a courtesy by letting me apply? Oh, well, in that case, I'm out. You know, yep. uh, sharply for me. Thank you very much. Thanks, but no thanks. And again, the feisty Spock. Yep. So I mean, we have a, a lot of established stuff in which maybe everybody thinks it's their fault, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Spock can think it's his fault, Sarah thinks it's his fault, Amanda thinks it's her fault, Michael Burnell thinks it's their fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before Burnham can express herself, they both see the Red Angel pop up on the screen. Uh, Amanda says, uh, Spock's seen that since he was a kid, and we find out that Michael Burnham at one point had run away, and that Spock knew where she was, but only because the Red Angel had told him. Burnham then tells Amanda that she's seen it too, uh, when uh, you know she was left on the planet before Pike beamed in. But what she didn't mention was the camera thing, which again, I would have like, again, we've got like the proof we need to like let yeah. everybody know this Red Angel's a thing. And she doesn't even mention it or show it to uh, you know Amanda. Maybe she couldn't show it to Amanda. Still, I think that was like an important thing of like, we've all seen, like it's a thing. It's, it's, a re- it's for real. It is, yeah, it's a, it's a for real thing. Although Amanda doesn't doubt her either, so I guess maybe she doesn't need the exact proof. Then uh, Burnham tells Amanda that it was herself that made Spock withdraw, not the Red Angel. Like, Amanda thought it was the Red Angel that made him withdraw, and instead uh, Burnham says, no, it was me. Michael was worried that the logic extremists were going to use her against the family and didn't want to drag Spock into it too, so she wounded him emotionally somehow. I guess they're saving that big reveal for when Spock's on the show. Uh, Amanda then starts to put it together. Oh, that's why the four of us could never be in the same room. All these years and nothing worked. Um, Burnham then promises like uh, promises Amanda she'd find him. But then out of nowhere, Amanda kisses Burnham and says, no, I will. We've already kind of discussed this. It was like, it seemed like she was pissed, but I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I mean, one... This happened a long time ago. It's a reveal, right? right. It's not a... Um, oh, wait, by the way, I just did this thing to him. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. It's not like, well, Spock was fine till he stopped by right before he uh, took leave. And, like, I totally messed with his mind and, you know, gave him some LSD and, and then threw him on an airlock. And <laughs> That's and you're like, what? What happened now? <laughs> you know, then she'd be pissed now. Instead, it was like, okay, well, you know. And Amanda may realize, I feel guilty about what happened to Spock. Apparently, you also feel guilty about, you know, some of the stuff in the past. Uh, You know, we're going through this together. Uh, It pisses me off that you did this thing and didn't tell me about it. But, you know, whatever. Right. My, My being a good, you know, she's imbued a lot. She's, uh taken in a lot of this Vulcan stuff, so you know, she's got her eye on the mission, right? Right. I, I gotta deal with whatever Spock's, you know, his problem is. I gotta get, I have to go, I have to move on to the next thing. You and I can't work this out right now. No time. We'll get back to it later. Um, so that's a bit, that's it about that. So it's all we get about Spock again, another big tease. Maybe the next episode... I don't know, the Discovery did release a, a little video that just said Spock is coming. So I was like, does that mean the next episode he'll be here? Or who knows? Um, I, I want to mention go ahead. that in that thing that you posted to Facebook uh, with about Jay Briggs and how everyone was like, oh, it was great working with him. One of the guys talking about how great it was to work with him was the guy playing Spock. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because he's so, doing two episodes this season. Jay Briggs. Yeah, yes. Well, clearly we know he's coming back at some point and bringing the, bringing the Spock with him. So. Right. I love it. So the Ash Burnham scene, again, it was just missing something. I didn't care. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be all down on it. I love the series so far. Just this episode didn't do it for me. And I didn't care about these two, like, talking and not talking to each other, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. Something just didn't work for me in that scene, and I can't put my finger on it. Again, I don't know... I was interested in the holographics. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, that was neat. 
I like the yeah. way they filmed it again, mm-hmm. but it, I, and maybe they just spent too much time trying to like don't move from this spot or blah blah blah. But they, yeah. just something wasn't there. I don't know if it just was if it was the acting or if it was the writing. I'm not sure which one that was. What well, was and, going. and their relationship's got to be in like such a weird place. How could that not be awkward? And... Right. But it, it didn't even feel awkward. It just felt boring to me. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I was in. <laughs> I, don't, I watched it twice. I don't know. I just maybe I was in a bad place this week or something. I don't know. Uh, I do love the moment when uh, Pike is nervous about reporting, uh, or, or when they find when they see the the uh, counselorship. This is the counselorship. Where is the ambassador? Anyway, we see the counselorship, and uh, Pike like goes right over to Burnham. Is like maybe he's pissed because I had to like tell Starfleet about Spock's prior knowledge and that he checked himself into a psychiatric ward. You know, he's like he's thinking Sarek's coming in to like rain down fire or something. Luckily, Burnham knows, you know, Sarek well enough to be like, you did what you were supposed to do and was able to talk him down. You you make a joke, but there was a woman on that ambassador ambassadorial ship with some stolen data tapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um. I also thought, too, this is another example. I think it happened twice in this episode. But, you know, we've discussed before about, like, you know, Burnham is the true lead of the series, right? Right. So we're giving her moments where she is the lead. And I thought that this was one of them, right? She's talking down the captain who's a little bit anxious about something that's not, you know, blah, blah. And, of course, later she's also the one who kind of says to Tilly, like, you don't need a sick bay. You need Stamets, which I thought was also a great line. Yeah, well, she, and she went through the 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 logic of, well, if, if this was your own mind doing this, it would have this, that, and the other thing. You know, it wouldn't mm-hmm. ask these kinds of questions. Right. You know, right. This, this, these, this is like, what does God need with a starship? I, wait, I thought you were like, you know, a divine being. And suddenly yes, you're like, exactly. I need a mode of transportation. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we get the return of May, the mysterious friend of Tilly's in this episode. Uh, I thought different than you because I thought that the story was over. I was like, oh, is it we're going to, you know, we're just going to attribute it to the fact that it was, you know, the dark matter and the spores and blah, blah, blah. But no, onward we go. And I agree with you. And we saw it in the trailer for next week that this is going to go on and become a continuing story. I have some interesting questions about it, but let's uh, hit it real quick here. Of course, this all ties back to last season. At the Remember, we saw that little spark and they replayed it for us in this episode right, in case, yeah, like yeah. us, we did forget. So that little... Uh, the little spore that lands out on her shirt. Uh, I didn't, (laughs) I'm going to say I didn't like it, but that's not what I meant. The scene where Tilly loses her shit on the bridge, you know, and it's like talking to May and whatnot. Like, oh, that scene was like, it was so good. It was like the best scene in this whole show. I I loved Pike's facial expressions during it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was totally like, what is going on? Yeah. Definitely something (laughs) wrong with her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination. It was like mostly concern, but there was a little bit of irritation and like bewilderment all yeah. mixed together. It was the perfect like. Yeah, he's so good. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so I, that episode made me sad because it was because uh, poor Tilly. We just want the best for Tilly. But I think you know, we get this the thing at Sarek at the end, right? So of course there's still a, like. We, we're gonna get a scene where she's like back with the captain and has to like be like, sorry, oops. <laughs> but yep. so we we get the thing from uh, Saru where he's uh, like, well, I I don't know the captain well enough to know how he'll judge, but he, you know he does seem to have a sense of humor. <laughs> so and he likes you. Yeah, yeah. So we get a sense that you know uh, her cat, her you know uh, command schooling thing is going to continue and she's going to work with the captain and yeah which will be so great gonna, i like yeah. more tilly captain scenes that'll be great. i do too yeah uh so we found out some interesting thing about the spore or whatever it is that's going on in this episode i mean it is a spore fungus bacteria whatever uh but did she mention in the last episode that either like her planet was dying or her planet needed help or something didn't she say something like that oh uh may I thought that she said something like that in the last episode. I didn't have time to go back and look, but I'm almost positive she said something like that. So, and we know she has a plan. Right. And even Tilly says like this, you know, she's grooming me for something. So it's weird that it's like 
I mean, of all the people you would tell, like Tilly would be the person. She'd be the most compassionate towards whatever your problem is. So like, but she also doesn't seem to like Stamets for some reason. We know he's been in the right, in yeah, the, yeah. the other universe, the, uh, what do they call it? The quantum realm? No, that's Marvel. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever, in the Sporeverse. Mycelial Network, thank you. Yeah, so he's been in the Mycelial Network, so we know that obviously they know Stamets through, and for some reason don't like Stamets, but maybe they're thinking of the other Stamets from the other universe, maybe? I'm sure that they are, yeah, because yeah. The, the other Stamets was killing the network. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, maybe that's what it's all about then. Yeah, maybe it wasn't my planet. Maybe it was my people. My people yeah. are dying. And so you've got this multi-dimensional creature, which is how they describe her, and yeah. why she wouldn't be picked up as like on, a, on her next medical scan, right? Like yeah. you picked up some spores. Apparently, our containment systems aren't working correctly here. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, you're good now. Yep. Instead, it's like nobody notices, and however long passes, and it becomes gigantic, like a big ball of. Yeah. But she's multi-dimensional, which means she may not understand mirror universe versus this universe. Yeah. Because to her, they're the same. And, you know, it's just like, oh, well, I bu I've already bumped into you and you're evil. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. I think that's exactly what it is. You've uncovered the secret. Good job. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm hoping that's what it is now. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's all I got. I mean, I have a few more things to say about other reviews and whatnot I read, but that's all I got about this episode. I did try to watch the new After Trek. It's not called After Trek. Was it The Ready Room? Tried to watch it this episode, the but there was so room? much... The Ready Room, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I tried to talk, uh, but there was so much talk about like costumes and wigs and stuff, and like I don't mean to be a jerk, but I hate that stuff. <laughs> like even when, even on like any of the Star Wars stuff, anytime there's any talk about the costumes and wigs, which by the way, let me take this back to say it's not that I don't appreciate it because I can watch episodes of TV or movies that have bad costumings or bad wigs or anything and be like. Uh, it kind of ruins the movie, you know, like, so it's not that I don't appreciate the craft because I totally right. do. I have friends who are costumers, so I can't, I have to say that, but it's like, I, I don't, it, to me, it's just boring to listen to people talk about it. You know, there's probably been one costume in my life that I care about the creation of, and that was probably Darth Vader, but anything else that anybody wears, it looks cool. I like it. Great. Good job. Like, I don't need to know any more about it. Um, like in fact, costumey stuff. You do? I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see that. Uh, especially, yeah, I'll especially, let you talk more about it. <laughs> especially in period pieces, right? Right, where they're saying, you know, well, we had we had to go to various museums and get historical garments to examine, and then we we rebuilt these things for actress X or you know actor okay. Z, and and you know these are the actual historical pieces we were thinking of and using and, and working with, and this was worn by this guy and this is worn by that guy, and we combined them and. Yeah. That's what our star is wearing. I think these are, these are so cool. To which I should also say, and maybe I'll post them on the YouTube uh, version of this, but I've worn a few wigs in my life, and some of them have been great. And some of the ones that we wore earlier on were not so great. And so, you know, wigs and costumes are very important to an actor. So, again, I'm not demeaning anything that they do. I'm just saying I don't like listening to people talk about it. Well, needless to say, after 10 minutes of listening to it, I shut it down. I'm sure there was <laughs> awesome information in there because they were talking to the, the, the woman who played Laurel, but I just I couldn't do it anymore. Um, here are a couple of reviews I saw, some stuff that was worth, that's worth mentioning. At uh, Bleeding Cool News, Erin uh, Wilhelm said she liked this episode. She gave it a, a very good rating. She loved the, the mother-daughter stuff in this episode between Burnham and Amanda. Uh, she notes that usually in Star Trek, we see mere glimpses of family dynamics, and they're usually wrapped up in an episode or two, right. which is true. But because of the non-episodic nature of this series, she thinks we're in for a bumpy ride with Amanda, Spock, Sarek, and Burnham. Right. She also mentions that the, the moment of Amanda walking out on Michael was, uh, was tough to watch, she says. She says, of course, that all of her grief, giving Michael all the attention and all the love, you know, was, uh, was tough for that character. Uh, but then she uses this de determination to find Spock herself. Thought that was interesting. Uh, Denny Geek writer uh, Katie Burt calls this episode a bad soap opera. Uh, she did not like this episode at all. Uh, one of the things, though, I think that she's missing is, is that uh, 
is, is basically what I've already said about the Klingons. She's like, it's just too far away from the, what she knows about the Klingons. And admittedly, there has been little talk about Honor. But also, as I pointed out, Honor wasn't even brought up a lot in the original series anyway. It just became a very important cultural piece over time. I think I would, it could have been. But I'm sure it'll like, be introduced. I want to go back and get a sense of the Klingons from Enterprise. Uh-huh. Because at the very least, there should be a kind of a through line. Other than the episodes with the Augments, I don't remember a whole lot of Klingon stuff. But there was more Klingon stuff than the Augments, so... I did read an article, or I did see an article. Uh, I even saved it, but I did not uh, read it. was talking about how uh, Discovery is making this, uh, this writer's love of Enterprise even better. Like she's like, I love Enterprise even more now, and she goes on to list a whole bunch of things. But since I don't know Enterprise at all, I was like, this is all lost on me. But I'll send it to you and see what you think. Uh, one thing I keep seeing in all of these reviews too that I read was uh, the talking about how the cutting back and forth between these two storylines almost didn't work. There wasn't a real like connection other than mother's parents, family. You know, that kind yeah, of, they, sort of, links these it. These were two separate things going on at the same time. Right. Which I think is probably what I didn't like about this episode, especially with the Klingons, is I felt like everything just happened and wrapped up so quick. It was like, oh, we just got to get Tyler off of, you know, off of Quono, so we'll just wrap it all up in one episode and blah, blah, blah. Where I was like, I think if they would have given this a full episode to be explore all of this, you know, background Game of Thrones type stuff that happens in yeah. this episode... I think it would have been a lot better. It would have unfolded more naturally as opposed to like, we got to get here, 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 here. And here's all the things we got to wrap up in one episode. We got to reveal that, you know, Laurel is pregnant. We got to show the baby. Then, you know, Laurel's got to, you know, maintain her leadership. Of the... It just felt like it was all like, whoa, this is a lot for one episode. And especially when it wasn't a full episode to, you know, give time to breathe. So I wonder if, like, this wasn't originally written as something that had already happened. Mm. In which... Like, this this was going to be a story that, that Ash Tyler would tell. Yeah. Right? In which case, it would be, like, a really compelling, you know, monologue. Yeah. And then someone was like, you know, we should really show and not tell. <laughs> Could be. And then, then they went back and thought, well, let's flesh it out. It'll it'll give us a, some opportunity to see the Klingons again and do some stuff. And, yeah. And it is a fun story. You know, it would be sweet. If, it, if that had been one of the short tracks. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been great. They probably didn't want to spend the money on it. But yeah, that would have been even better if they would have put this before the season started. That would have been really cool. And then that way you could... I guess even if it would have felt like more time expanded over it, you know, you could have put a couple of captions in a couple months later, a couple days later, weeks later, whatever, blah, blah. That would have really helped feel like there was a lot of breath behind what was happening in this episode. As opposed to, like, it just comes crashing down. Boom, so fast. Uh, the final thing I have written in this episode, I think it's the final thing. Yep, bottom of the page. Uh, the final thing I've written in this episode is that Vulture gave it three stars, saying that they uh, both liked it and hated it at the same time. Which is funny because I think that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, it was fine. Stuff happened. There were stuff I liked, but then it was just, like, all, like, whoosh, it's all done. It all happened in this much time, and... Blah, I think blah, if, so. if they give us payoff in the future, you'll have been glad you watched it, but it won't be a rewatch episode for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think so. And again, it's not like important stuff didn't happen, right? We got the Amanda, you know, Amanda yeah. now knows about Burnham. We we get her now off doing her thing. I mean, again, it's again, it's just like I said, it's all the chess pieces putting put into place before we execute. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I got. Anything else you uh, want to talk about we haven't mentioned? I do. So uh, there's been an item in the news um, over the past year or so, but uh, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a story in Earth and Sky about repeating bursts, uh, repeating radio bursts. So they found a second example of it coming from the same location. Uh, these fast radio bursts are one of the most puzzling astrophysical discoveries in recent years. They're powerful but brief pulses of radio waves that seem to originate from galaxies billions of light years away. Scientists don't know what caused them, but are finding more clues as they continue to investigate them. One oddity has been that of the more than 60 
fast radio bursts found so far, only one has ever been seen to repeat from the same source until now. And then on the 9th of January, uh, McGill University reveals that, that they found a second one. And, uh, you know, so there's kind of this mystery to it. You know, whatever the source, uh, so this is a, a cosmologist at McGill saying, whatever the source of these radio waves, it is interesting to see uh, this wide range of frequencies. There are some models where intrinsically the source can't produce uh, anything below a certain frequency, but we're seeing these deep, low frequencies. It's very interesting. They don't know what causes them. They assume it's a natural phenomenon because you're seeing them from all over the sky. And so it's unlikely that, like, you've got sentient beings from distant galaxies communicating with these high powerful beams. It's more likely it's quasars or black holes colliding or, you know, something like that. But what you get is here's this natural phenomenon. It's in the news. We can rip it from the headlines, law and order style. Right. We're going to call them red bursts. We're going to confine them to our galaxy. And suddenly you've got uh, feels like reality, science-based, you know, kind of thing going on in Star Trek to organize our season for us, right? Because yeah. I think the season's kind of going to be organized by these red bursts. Yeah. So I just wanted to point out that there's this real astrophysics phenomenon going on that reminds me of the red bursts and... and it, it's cool that we're getting a ripped from the headlines kind of approach to to this organizing phenomenon. Yeah. Well, that is interesting and fun. Like, you know, we can see if it's going to be blood rained down upon the us Klingons, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's super, super interesting. And I guess, uh, so they say it's, it's probably national natural phenomenon and not like, I mean, obviously it's, might not be aliens, but uh, but still, that's or, interesting. Or a red angel. Or, yeah, or, maybe, or a red angel. Maybe five or seven red angels or how many total... Yeah, seven, right? Seven bursts. And, and basically from outside the Milky Way is basically what they were saying? Yeah, so, like, yeah. the one they found is, you know, in some remote galaxy that they've got, you know, uh, you know this picture eye up in the Gemini Observatory has a shot of it. Nice. Well, great. That's awesome. And I guess we'll leave it there. That's it for this episode of uh, The Brothers Trick About. As always, my name's Matt, and coming to us from Houston is my brother Ken. Say goodbye, Ken. Live long and prosper. There we go, and we will see everybody for next week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. Bye! <laughs>